Aussies are relocating from capital cities to regional Australia in record numbers. We could give you all the stats about better house prices, all the jobs on offer and higher levels of happiness, but what's better than hearing from someone who's made the move themselves? Welcome to You Moved Where, the podcast where we interview everyday Aussies who have moved from the city to the country. I'm your host, Beck Bignall, a girl from regional Australia who moved to the city and then, you guessed it, back to regional Australia. This is You Moved Where. <laughs> Just because country kids live far away doesn't mean they can't dare to dream about exploring the wide world that exists beyond their road mailbox. Just ask Jacinta Redden, a girl from the seaside tourist town of Warrnambool on the Great Ocean Road, Jacinta always had a keen curiosity and a burning desire to travel from a very young age. Working as a copy girl at Warrnambool's Daily, standard newspaper, gave her exposure to dynamic perspectives and exciting opportunities that she was hungry to pursue. A leap of faith moved to London to embrace the fast-paced frenzy of Fleet Street was redirected when she made a stopover in Hong Kong, where the vibrancy and energy hijacked her heart. 30 years on, and Jacinta felt very settled living her expat life until an amazing career opportunity enticed her from high-rise Hong Kong to tropical Cairns during late 2022. Thrust back into regional Australia among cane toads and crocodiles, Jacinta had to get her head around the less death-defying, but just as pesky, personal admin essentials that were foreign to her after so many years away. Things like Medicare, where to get your scale and clean, and the best place in town for foils and a fringe. The roll-up-your-sleeve spirit of the copy girl from the local Warrnambool rag has risen to the occasion, proving very handy in helping this high-flying CEO reacquaint with Australia's regional coastline. Jacinta Redden, you moved where? I moved from Hong Kong after many years in Hong Kong to Cairns in tropical North Queensland. And now you originally grew up in Warrnambool, Victoria, a regional town. What do you remember about growing up regionally? Well, I was actually born and raised in the outer suburbs of Melbourne and was 10 when my family moved down to Warrnambool. And I'm eternally grateful to them for doing that. For anybody who is listening and knows that beautiful part of what's called the Shipwreck Coast. It's southwest Victoria, right on the beautiful surf coast, uh, down along the end of the Great Ocean Road. And it's a beautiful part of the world. And I'm throwing up by the coast in a smaller community was just fabulous. So what was your average Saturday like growing up as a teenager in that coastal community? Well, I'm saying it was fabulous, but of course there were times when it was really quite dull in the middle of winter down on the windy shipwreck coast. Uh, And those Saturdays were spent uh, watching the local football, wearing various layers of winter clothes to try and keep warm. But in summer, which is when we like to say back then that the population of Warrnambool trebled, it was fabulous because the place was inundated with thousands of tourists coming to the region. It really came to life. The weather was nicer and it was really fabulous. So even um, back then, we would actually go camping with uh, some friends. We would we would camp down at the Warnable Foreshore Caravan Park and many Warnable families would do the same. 
uh, to really just uh, enjoy the very best that Warrnambool has to offer at the height of summer. It's interesting that you talk about the tourist capacity of a town like that, especially given um, where your career has taken you. I'm really interested, how did your aspirations emerge within a small town that may not have had visibility of high-powered career women? Well, I was fortunate I gained a role as, um, as, as a copy girl three afternoons a week after school at the Standard Newspaper in Warrnambool. And that's really where newspaper journalism got under my skin and, and journalism and media remains that way. I really love working in and around the media and have retained a really strong curiosity in what's happening around the world. I was also working at the newspaper during the devastating 1983 Ash Wednesday bushfires, which destroyed swathes of farmland and very sadly took some lives um, down at that part of the world. And the team that put that story together won a Walkley Award for that coverage. So again, when you work in a smaller community, you do get exposure to to people, to events, to, to, to places, to really defining moments that you really wouldn't get if you were working anywhere else. And I should also say that as a teenager in Warrnambool, I was really keen to leave to get to explore the metropolitan big city lights. And I had planned to go to uni in Melbourne and I was desperate to get there. And in fact, I had enrolled at uni on the day of the Ash Wednesday fires and was coming back via the train that had to be abandoned for a coach that was caught by the burning um, fires around us. Um, and as, again, serendipity, uh, I, I wasn't able to actually go to university at that point. Um, I was then offered the cadetship at the at the standard. It, was, it still remained open for me. So serendipity dictated that I stayed in Warrnambool for another two or three years and I'm really pleased that I did because I learnt so much at the newspaper and uh, it really did stand me in good stead for the rest of my career. And I think that's one of the things, Beck, where when you look back on defining moments, at, at a, at a, as a journalist in a smaller environment, you're exposed to so many people of influence that uh, you they don't hold the same degree of awe, I guess, that they may if you'd met them under different circumstances. And I was really fortunate that I had that start in my career. Yeah, you're right. You can't underestimate the importance of the grassroots journalism in regional communities. I totally understand that as a person who went who started in journalism myself. Um, I believe the storytelling capacity in regional communities is so rich and that's obviously something that you've followed throughout your career in a range of different ways. And I'm really interested as well in the fact that you had that aspiration at the young age. You were surrounded by people that really gave you a sense that that was achievable. So from Warrnambool with a population of about 26, 27,000 people, you then find yourself down the track in one of the most densely populated areas in the world, Hong Kong, population about 7.4 million people. How did that happen? Yeah, roughly the same size as the population of uh, Victoria. Uh, that was really part of my whole burning desire to travel. As I said, curiosity, I think, is an inherent trait for any journalist and it's just part of my nature. And I was really desperate to travel, to explore, to live and work overseas. And 
Uh, in the early uh, 90s, I'd been working at the Sun and it became the Herald Sun in Melbourne. Really loved that experience uh, and had and made some lifelong friends in that role. But I was very keen to go work in London and work on Fleet Street as all journalists back in those days did. And so I, the plan had been that uh, we would travel via Hong Kong and spend about 18 months in Hong Kong and and then move on to London. And I came to Hong Kong and the opportunity, the vibrancy, the fact that it was just so foreign and so different from anything I'd experienced before really uh, grabbed and whetted my appetite. And so 18 months became nine years in that stint. I then returned to Australia for six years and was uh, and have uh, only recently returned to Australia after a further 15 years in Hong Kong. So ultimately an 18-month plan turned into a 30-plus year stint, 34-year stint or thereabouts um, in one of the world's global cities and I loved every minute of it. It really was a fantastic opportunity and a little bit like what we just talked about growing up in regional Victoria, in Hong Kong, because of the very nature of the city, because in some ways it is a small community, particularly amongst the expatriate or financial services community, again, you tend to find yourself being, well, many big fish in a smaller pond. And there are so many interesting, dynamic, very successful business people in, in a place like Hong Kong, but because it's a small community, there was that familiarity or a sense of community where people were connected um, by by who they knew and uh, and where they worked. And so there was a there was a degree of familiarity for me in establishing myself in a place where you could walk down the street and pretty much guarantee you'd bump into someone you knew, just like you might do walking down Liebig Street in Warrnambool. Yeah, that's a lovely commonality to draw. But it's interesting. I did a bit of work um, with ABC International, so I've worked within Asia Pacific in different markets. And obviously, there's very different cultural and social conventions that are quite different when you're working in the region. How did how did you adjust to that? Well, that was part of what I loved about the experience. It is so different, so dynamic, so multicultural. I, I welcome the opportunity to learn about Chinese New Year and what the different cultural traditions mean. I loved learning about the different uh, the different celebrations during the Chinese calendar year, but the Hungry Ghost Festival, a whole range of different ways that in Hong Kong and, and again, different again in the mainland, relate to family and the importance of family, the importance of food and coming together over a meal. And so I think for me, it was part of the fact that it was just so different. And I was learning all the time from everyone I met and the ways in which businesses would interact, the ways in which people would interact, the ways in which people conduct themselves in meetings, the ways in which families operated is fascinating to me. And uh, yes, the whole thing was just a fabulous experience. Um, it's also, you know, what a what wonderful opportunity to be based in a place that has such beautiful natural environment as well. That's not what so many people know about Hong Kong, but extraordinary um, hiking trails in the national parks, 
beautiful um, waterways that are certainly much cleaner now than they were when I first arrived there. So I spent a lot of time out on the water on weekends or hiking the, the trails. There's a lot more to different cultures that just lie north of us than we give ourselves credit for understanding. So there's so much more to explore. It sounds like you fully embraced the experience. However, in 2022, you took a job in Cairns of all places. Now, Queenslanders are known for their laid-back culture, crocs, cane toads and characters. Did you feel that there was a bit of a culture shock moving from Hong Kong? Well, I've been here now for four months uh, and I have to say that when I first became aware of the role, I too thought, from Hong Kong to Cairns, really? How could I possibly make that adjustment? And there is the stereotype of tropical North Queensland that you've just outlined. And it became a bit of a joke, actually, amongst my friends in Hong Kong who are from all over the world. Um, you know, to the list that you've just described, we would add poisonous snakes and cassowaries. <laughs> so, you know, we all learned about cassowaries and how they can be dangerous too. And so when this opportunity came up, my first reaction was I couldn't possibly imagine how I could make that transition. The role sounds really interesting. This is a fascinating part of the world that I really don't know well at all, but I'm very keen to learn more. It's an incredibly beautiful part of Australia, and I had had the privilege of promoting this part of the world when I worked for Tourism Australia in Asia. And I had brought a group of journalists here, but many, many years ago, and we'd had a, a fantastic time bungee jumping, scuba diving, whitewater rafting. And so I had that memory, but it wasn't actually until the organisation Advanced Cans flew me up for the interview in July that I learned as I walked the streets uh, and listened and just looked at the restaurants, just how multicultural Cans is as well. And that was not something that I'd appreciated. I think we have, again, we have a stereotypical view of many destinations. You've outlined it really perfectly there. And having lived away from Australia for so many years, I think learning the opportunity to learn, and I have so much to learn about Indigenous Australia and the the cultures in which I have the honour to, to work in the region that we now cover uh, was all all combined to be to make a really compelling reason to when I was made the offer of the role to think this sounds fantastic what a great next step uh, and sort of you know bring on the adventure and I think the the other thing I would say is that I'm finding there are many other people like me who are drawn to this part of the world for exactly those same reasons. So there's a very international, global and outward-looking group of professionals here as well. You're an expert in understanding how to you know, tell the story of places um, with an incredible background in branding, marketing and messaging, really influencing the way Australia is perceived on a global platform through tourism. And in particular, you were involved in the Sydney Olympics because you were the Asia PR and Marketing Manager for Tourism Australia at the time. What was that experience like? Oh, that was such an honour. And look, I was just a very small cog in a very large wheel in the lead up to the Sydney Olympics, but it was an extraordinary opportunity. And I honestly think that's part of the reason why I did return to Australia back in 2000, just before the Olympics, because, you know, we'd spent four or five years in the lead up 
building this momentum. But there was I working to promote Australia, one of the world's favourite tourism destinations, in one of the fastest growing regions in the world in the lead up to the Sydney Olympics. I mean, it really doesn't get much better than that. Of course, now I'm sitting here in Cairns and we're we're looking forward to the Brisbane Olympics in 2032. And I'm really interested to see uh, in terms of the storytelling, um, the opportunity to build the brand of Queensland and Australia more broadly globally. And you talk about the story of Australia abroad and obviously understanding the functions of good storytelling, which is an art to make people understand and connect to a place, takes a lot of thought and a lot of planning. In recent years, regional Australia has had, you know, a very stereotypical or a very kind of mainstream narrative that is mainly engineered through people in the city. What do you think regional Australia could do better to tell its story and how are you hoping to influence that? When you think about weighing up the difference between the livability and the lifestyle in a place like Cairns, which has international connectivity, versus sitting in in a commute in Melbourne in traffic and the traffic jam, that itself is just a you know a good a good reason to really think twice about what's important and what makes for a really good work lifestyle. Uh, when we think about the impact that COVID has had, particularly on expatriates, I, I certainly know and I felt feel that keenly that it's a great privilege to be here in Australia and to be able to travel freely and to be reconnecting with family and friends and to be part of um, a community here in tropical North Queensland. You know, for two, two and a half years in Hong Kong, that wasn't an option. And for a time, we were locked out of our own country. And it really causes you to think about what's important. It causes you to reflect on what you value. And I think that the regions and living in a regional community becomes even more compelling. So what I've very much enjoyed about moving to Cairns and I, I sort of dived in um, and bought a house within six weeks of being here. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying making connections in the community, getting to know my neighbours, being invited to drinks on a Friday night with my neighbours. I'm not sure, and again, I love Melbourne, but I'm not sure that that would necessarily happen in Melbourne or in Sydney or any other capital city. But to be walking around the fabulous Rusty's Market. If anybody hasn't uh, been to Rusty's Market and they've been to Cairns, it's well worth coming back just to look at this extraordinary produce that is that is a reflection of the multicultural diaspora that lives here in Cairns. Um, to walk through Rusty's on a Saturday morning and bump into colleagues, neighbours, I'm loving that. I'm really loving feeling that I'm part of a community and you really can't put a price on that. I think the sense of community has become even more important and I think that is a huge benefit and bonus of living in the regions and one compelling reason that I chose to live in regional Australia rather than elsewhere. What is a Saturday in Cairns like now for you to centre and do you get to go to, like what's your favourite restaurant, where do you get your coffee is it social? Take me through your Saturday in Cairns. Well, I have to say I 
actually don't have a routine because what I have found, and everybody says it will be like this for the first two years, I have had a steady stream of visitors and I currently have a friend staying with me from Hong Kong and my daughter who is about to start, my youngest daughter who's about to start uni in Melbourne is with me on the way from being born, you know, raised in Hong Kong. Uh, She and her sister know nothing of life in Australia, but they're now forging their lives as university students in Australia. Um, She's with me as well. And so I find on weekends I'm either snorkeling on the Great Barrier Reef. Yesterday we were up uh, via, uh, went on Skyrail up to Karanda over the World Heritage Rainforest, caught the historic, extraordinary train back down from the Karanda Range to Cairns. Uh, I'm either driving along the Atherton Tablelands or down to Mission Beach or up to Pan Cove or is it Mosman Gorge last weekend uh, and Port Douglas. I mean, honestly, there is no absence of absolutely extraordinary things to do. I, I keep pinching myself and thinking, I can't believe that this is the part of the world that I call home when you can be uh, there was one weekend when my sister and her family were here. We were water skiing up at uh, Lake Chinaroo on the beautiful Atherton Tablelands on a Saturday, and on Sunday we were diving and snorkeling on the Great Barrier Reef. It really doesn't get much better than that. You mentioned that you're four months into the journey, and we're talking to people that have been in their transitioned place for varying amounts of time. Some people early like you, some people who have been there for about 10 years and retrospectively looking back and remembering what that felt like. With Within yourself, what have been some of the grittier things that have been challenging that you've had to kind of walk through as you've made this early adjustment? Sure. Look, there's a, a great term called the invisible migrant, which applies to people like me and to my daughters. I've spent most of my adult life living in Asia. And so the day-to-day of how do I even get my energy connected? Where do I go to get private health insurance? How do I get a license when I don't have proof of residence in Australia? All of these things made it really challenging. Of course, it's the personal admin um, that I found the most difficult. And that People moving interstate wouldn't necessarily find the same challenges, but it is finding the right footing, where to go for your favourite coffee. Uh, it's it's the little things where, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I work with a great team of people who've been very patient with me asking the very basic questions, like how do I even get free-to-air television? Because it's a completely different platform in Australia than what I've been dealing with in Hong Kong for so many years. And so this invisible migrant piece plays out when I'm at the checkout and I'll be asked, do you have flybys? And that's a reminder that's still on my list of things I've got to sign up yet. I didn't even know what they were talking about. All these questions that people just take for granted that you know how things work and you actually don't have a clue um, make it quite challenging. Google Maps was my best friend and remains so. I sit there in meetings and someone mentions, because again, we cover a huge area, someone mentions a town or a region that I'm not familiar with. I'm always using Google Maps to figure out, ah, that's where they fit within our region. I must get there. So I've got this ever never-ending list of towns and centres that I'm, I'm wanting to travel to. 
um, but Google Maps was important. Also, just meeting other people who had moved here from elsewhere who will say, aha, I'll tell you who you need a hairdresser, you need a doctor, you need a dentist. Let me give you these recommendations. And those sorts of recommendations were invaluable early on. And I'm now feeling four months in, having bought a house and figured out what the council, you know, <laughs> the council um, bin collection nights are and all those sorts of things and what it all means, how to deal with um, <laughs> how to deal with uh, bush turkeys that are roosting <laughs> above my swimming pool, sorts of really important North Queensland things that I kind of love because it's so <laughs> so unique. Um, I'm now feeling like I'm I'm a little bit better equipped to deal with some of those administrative aspects of living in an entirely different place. But I think that an important element of it, of this journey for me has also been that I was very much looking forward to relocating to Australia. And I feel it is a real honour and a privilege to be back. I feel it's an honour and a privilege to be back in a part of Australia that is new to me and that I'm seeing with fresh eyes. And I want to try and retain that fresh eyes perspective for as long as I can, because I think that makes me better at my job, because I'm looking at the region from the outside, and it enables me, I hope, to then better tell the story about the region externally. So there's that balance that I think that that I can also bring from being um, bringing an outsider's perspective. How did you convey that you were an outsider because like you said people might just assume that you've been part of the community for a long period of time were you just upfront in saying g'day my name's Jacinta and I'm new in town how did you tap into that reservoir of local knowledge well what I love about here is everybody's up for a yarn so you end up making all sorts of friends from that person on the checkout to the you know the person at Medibank when I finally figured out where to get private health insurance and you just sit down and talk to people and I have to explain at the outset, look, I haven't, I've lived outside Australia for many years, so I'm really not familiar with the system. And so everybody immediately starts with, oh, Hong Kong, I was there for my honeymoon or I'd love to go there. And then I end up having these long conversations with people, whether I'm buying my coffee or any interaction. And it's great people deal with you as a human being and they, they're interested, they love a yarn, they're very authentic. And so when I've said that, people have been very welcoming and quite proud, you know, of, well, what's brought you to our beautiful part of the world? And they want to hear the story. So it's been a lovely way to get to know people as well and a great way to just open a conversation. How does regional living as a child feel different to living regionally again as just into the adult? Two completely different parts of regional Australia. Uh, one is tropical, and I have to say that visitors that are that are with me from Hong Kong, uh, or that have visited from Victoria, arrive here and say, "Wow, it doesn't almost feel like part of Australia. It's more like they're all saying, is it just like Hawaii, or is it like Singapore or Thailand? It is a truly beautiful place to live and yet it is very Australian uh, and so that's very different from Windy Warnival where I was a teenager desperate actually to experience uh, what was out there in the world. 
such an interesting story to listen to the differences and also the intersections where things are quite similar going from a place that's as far away as Hong Kong to a place like Cairns. But tell me, what do you feel like you gave up and what did you gain from the point of view as Jacinta, the mum, the friend? My daughters were going to be in Australia in any case from Hong Kong. So I was going to be either eight hours away or three, three and a half. So I'm actually closer to my daughter. So even though people say I'm a long way from them, I feel a lot closer. I do miss friends, of course, and my partner in Hong Kong, but international flights make anything possible. We've got virtual, any any number of ways to reconnect virtually. And uh, I am looking to build another community here in Cairns. Um, as I have a very dear friend from Hong Kong staying with me for a month and my, my home is booked out now until at least the end of June. So I think that's the other advantage of living in a beautiful part of the world is everybody's coming to stay. So I'm sure that there will come a time when I'm going to feel quite isolated, uh, but at this point, I've been too busy and I've had such a constant stream of visitors that that hasn't come to pass. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, the cultural experiences uh, here in Cairns that I guess I hadn't anticipated. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Tropical Writers Festival that's coming up in a couple of weeks, which has attracted some excellent speakers. And on the weekend, I saw my first uh, live music performance uh, for three years because of the tight restrictions in Hong Kong. So in many ways, I'm feeling that I've gained more than I've lost. That's not to say I don't miss Hong Kong terribly and my friends there, but I also think that that's, that's part of life. And it's a very transient community in Hong Kong. So I have the benefit of a global network of fabulous friends, but it's two very different experiences However, the common links are feeling part of a community, a degree of familiarity, a sense that people really want to get to know you and that an interaction is not transactional. It's very much a human person-to-person interaction. As I said, I strike up yarns with people wherever I go. It's really lovely and it's a very big change from Asia where you also have a language barrier which does prevent that from happening. But the one thing that there is one cultural, big cultural difference that I find coming back to Australia, and I don't know if it's unique to tropical North Queensland, but in Hong Kong, which is still really emerging, emerging from very strict COVID pandemic public health measures, we were very much 100% mask wearing, keeping our distance, not going near anyone to people greeting each other in the workplace with a hug and a kiss on the cheek. And I know that that's quite an Australian thing. And if I think about the big cultural adjustment, that's the one that I'm just sometimes struggling with because I'm just not familiar with that. It's lovely and it's welcoming and it's warm, but it's very different from the last several years. Jacinda, just to end, I would love you to give me your pitch for people thinking about moving to the regions. You're obviously an absolute expert in compelling people to come to places. So in one sentence, what would you say to get us all to head out to the bush? It's really tough to put it into one sentence. (laughs) I'll put you on the spot. 
if you could imagine leaving behind the rat race and the daily commute for being five minutes away from your office, five minutes away from jumping on a boat and snorkeling the Great Barrier Reef, an hour from water skiing up at the Atherton Tablelands, half an hour from one of the world's great world heritage rainforests, it's an easy choice to make. I think more broadly, it's the sense of community in the regions that really differentiates living in the regions from the cities. The cities have much to boast about, and rightly so, but the sense of community, the sense of belonging, the sense of pride that people feel in where they live is a really compelling reason to consider the regions. Thank you so much for taking us on an amazing journey from Hong Kong to Cairns. It's been really wonderful to listen to your story, Jacinta. Thanks for your time today. Thank you very much. You Moved Where is made on the land of the Kenyang people. With Jacinta Redden joining us from the land of the Gimoy, Wallabara, Yadinji and the Irukandji people. We would like to acknowledge the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional custodians of the land and pay our respects to Elders past and present. This episode was produced by Grace Fruvray and hosted by me, Beck Bicknell. Make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts because on next week's episode, you'll hear stories like this. I just really enjoyed not having to be anywhere on a weekend and being able to cultivate succulents in my backyard and grow veggies and, you know, crochet things because a lot of people tell me I'm a granny. You Moved Where is brought to you by www.movetomore.com.au and the Regional Australia Institute. Move to More is supported by the Australian Federal Government and if you head to www.movetomore.com.au you can search almost 2,000 regional towns and cities to find your favourite regional destination and in the same place, find your dream home and job.